want to introduce you guys to some people you already know, but um, God has brought us some young men. You like how I said that, young men? Uh, he's brought us some young men. Brought Every one of you, I tell you all the time, I, can't, I, I look at you guys. Gary, I look at you, and I remember the day God brought you. And then I remember he brought you back, because we always say, if we don't scare you off, welcome to the family. And uh, evidently we didn't, and you brought your mom. And uh, so, uh, But I, I look at every one of you and, and remember when God brought you and, and what God's been doing through you and how you've encouraged me, and I've been able to encourage you, and we've been growing in the Lord together. But God's brought us four young men. I'm, I'm one of them, so I guess. Uh, <laughs> but uh, actually, he's brought us three young men and, uh, and an old man. And uh, uh, these are guys that are, are called to preach. They've been gifted, and they've been called to preach God's word. And they're guys that have been given the heart of a pastor. And they're doing the work of a pastor. And they're spirit-filled. And um, these are guys that God has brought us. And, uh, and so um, I want to introduce you to them because uh, as the summer goes on, you're not going to be able to be sure who it is that uh, is going to be preaching. It, uh, throughout the summer, we're going to still kind of preach to the same things, but, but these different guys are going to be preaching. I want to, I want to first bring up JJ. JJ, come on up. JJ's my son-in-law. That's Ashley's uh, husband. So JJ is here. And, um, and, and JJ, uh, JJ works really, really hard, and, and he's been busy, and, and uh, you know, I said, whenever you want to preach, let me know. But, but he's got gifts in him to preach and to teach, and he does it on Wednesdays with this youth on Sunday, on Wednesdays, man, over at Terry and Fernanda's house, man, all the neighborhood kids all come up, all the bicycles, and, and so they, they do some youth activities over there, and, but you're going to get a chance to hear him kind of preach in the, in the near future here. Uh, so God brought us JJ, but then God brought us Seth, and so Seth, come on, where's Charlotte, man? Uh, okay. uh, his wife Charlotte's usually with him, but uh, anyways, uh, Seth, you know, I'm just on the other side. I have a method to this madness right here. Right? And so, so uh, Charlotte, uh, Seth and Charlotte, who I'm sure you know Charlotte, she helps uh, run the ladies' Bible study on Thursdays. Um, but uh, Seth is graduating uh, real soon. Uh, when are you graduating? In the fall, with a Master of Divinity at Liberty University. And when we, yeah, um, but when we first met Seth, uh, he was coming up the walkway, and I'm just like, you know, hey, I'm Pastor Eddie, you know, and um, uh, you know, had no idea. I'm like, where are you from? They're like, we're from Texas, and I'm like, you don't sound like you're from Texas. And anyways, but he shared, proceeded to share with me that they live a third of their life in Texas or Houston area, a third of their life in Boston, and a third of their life here, and they were looking for a church for when they were here for a third of their life. And um, so God brought them. And again, we must not have scared them off because they came back and, uh, and has been involved in all of our small group Bible studies. And um, it's been awesome that now Seth, part of his uh, Master of Divinity degree is he, has to, he needs to intern. And so we feel, he feels, we feel, we know that God has brought us together and Seth's gonna be interning with us. So. You know, he's, he's, if this isn't just a classroom, you know, experiment type thing, but he not only is, is going to be interning with us, but they feel a call to be here. And they feel an affinity towards this Jensen Beach area and, and want to be used mightily in this area. And they're called also to be church planters and, and be a part of something like what we have going on here. Uh, they've gone so far as to get driver's license here, right? This, he, he went up to Boston and told his, how old your mom? Okay, well, we don't want to do that. He told his, 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 his mom that his uh, new permanent residence is where? 
Yeah, Florida. And that, that, that takes, you know, you got to know what you know to be able to do that. So God has brought Seth. Seth is a, is a par excellent theologian, man. And, um, uh, dude, uh, so I, I can't wait. You know, the things that he kind of brings up in our small groups and brings up with me. It's like, dude, I didn't think about that. All right, well, wait a minute, you know. And, and that's what we, iron sharpens iron. So, um, anyways, but he's, he's going to be preaching also. And then, now, finally, after a year, God has brought Zane. So, Zane, come on up here, man. Woo! And, um, now, what we do with Zane, I don't know, bro, because Zane is, called, Zane is called to make disciples, man, which is what all of us do. But Zane has a gift of preaching, man. And even if Zane, he said, I'm not going to preach. I'm not getting up front preach. I know he wouldn't say that. But even if he did, all I, I could instigate him from that seat. And before you know it, he'd be up and he'd be speaking for the next hour. Is that not true, Chris? Yeah. So, so it's going to happen no matter what. You might as well just give in. But I just... Dude, look what God is doing here in order to make disciples in one of the most unchurched areas in the United States. And he's brought all of you. And so I'm pretty excited about what God's doing. So in the near future, coming up, um, and maybe even as soon as next week, you don't know, but one of us is going to be preaching. And I will tell you that I am excited. You're not going to be disappointed in hearing from God's word from these guys. In fact, at the end of summer, you guys might say, well, Pastor Eddie, can those guys preach a little more? And, you know, and dude, we'll just we'll just we'll do what we do, man. I just can't wait to see what God's going to do. But they're going to help illustrate a a verse for me today as I was really talking to God and saying, God, all right. Now, how do you want me to present today's message? I've been studying the message all week for weeks, looking at it praying about it. This week, God's kind of put everything together. I even put the outline out on Facebook this morning and all this. But uh, in here, I, I ask him on Sunday morning, I say, how do you want me to present this? What do you want me to, to, to really start off with? And he brought up a verse that I'd shared with somebody early on in the week and uh, didn't read it, just kind of misquoted it to him. So I figured I'll read it to you in context today. But it's in Isaiah chapter 40. And um, it says, why do you owe Jacob and uh, why do you uh, say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, and my just claim is passed over by God? In other words, why are you saying, Israel, that God doesn't know where I'm at? God doesn't know what I'm going through. Why is everything like, why do I seem to be alone? He says, have you not known, have you not heard the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth? He neither faints nor is he weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the weak, and to those who have no might, he increases their strength. Does that sound good so far? Yeah? And uh, listen to this. Even the young people shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But listen, this is the verse you guys probably have crocheted on a pillow or on some wall hanging or in your grandma's house or somewhere. But it says in verse 31, but those who wait upon the Lord. And that word wait in the Hebrew is talking about a braid. It's talking about things being, does anybody have a braid in their hair today? No, you have a braid, right? Did you have a braid? Okay, watch this, man. This is really cool because if I just wanted to take one little hair from her, uh, I got one hair, and then I can pop this one hair out real quick, right? Okay, but what this weight on the Lord is talking about is wrapping yourself around the Lord, braiding yourself around the Lord. And so look, I can't yank this out. Come on, no. <laughs> if I really tried, I couldn't yank it out because it's all ma- it's all massed together in a braid. And so that's what he's saying. But those who will braid themselves with the Lord, who will wrap themselves around the Lord, listen to what he says will happen. You will renew your strength. 
How many of y'all could use some renewed strength at some point in the week? Maybe not today, but maybe tomorrow morning when you're waking up and it's Monday, right? I need some renewed strength. He says, they that wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. Listen to what it says. There's three phases of life here, um, and one of them's harder than the other. It says, they shall mount up with wings like eagles. Guys, let me see your eagle wings, man. Eagle wings. Yeah, dude. They'll mount up with wings like eagles. So there's times in our life. Okay, that's enough. That's good. Uh, There's times where they're... You you haven't even started yet, man. So save your energy here. All right. Um, They're going to mount up with wings like eagles. Okay, so there's times in our life when we're flying, right? Are there not times when you're just flying through life, man? God's got you doing things and everything is good, right? And then he says, and then they shall run and not grow weary. So there's times we're flying, but there's times where we're just running. Anybody have times where you're just running? You're not doing anything wrong. You're doing the right thing. But all you're doing is running. You can hardly catch a breath. And then he says, uh, they, shall not run, they shall run and not grow weary. But listen to the last one. He says, they shall walk and not faint. And you know what he's talking about when he's talking about walking and not fainting? He's talking about it's during that time of walking through your mundane life that that's when we get distracted. That's when we get discouraged. That's when we get bored and we run away from God at that time looking for something more exciting. So we have these three phases. We talked about uh, spirit-filled life is this. All right, help me out, guys. Is what do you want me to do now, God? And do it. Okay, so follow me. Here we go. What do you want me to do now, God? Do it. What do you want me to do now, God? Do it. What do you want me to do now, God? Do it. Right? And we are flying through life. We have condors and sparrows and fat little robins like me. Right? We are flying through life. Okay, okay. So, man, what do you want me to do now, God? And do it. And you're in that flying time and life is good. But then we start hitting that running time. What do you want me to do now, God? Do it. Ready? Come on. What do you want me to do now, God? Do it. What do? What do? What? Help me out. What do? What do? What do? Say What do? What do? What do? What do? What do? What do? What? Oh, we'll go again. What do? What do? What do? What do? What do? What do? All right. You've got those times where it's, what do you want me to do? Do it. What do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? It. And you're just you're running through life, man. So we've got times where we're flying. We got the times where we're running. And, and you know what? God knows when to rest us and he knows when to test us. But it's not that hard to fly with God when everything's going good. It does. We need endurance when we're running with God to just keep going. And we seem to find that from people. But the place where I see more issues in people's Christian walk, starting with mine, is in the walking. Dude, I have seen so many people, they start off with their life and they're, what do you want me to do, God? What do you want me to do now? And they're doing it. They're flying. And then they're running. And then all of a sudden, God's got them walking now. And once they're walking, they're like, well, this isn't very exciting. And they start looking for something exciting again. I can't tell you how many people I have seen that are flashes in a pan in their spiritual walk. Dude, one minute they're high as a kite flying. The next minute, what happened? Yeah, that wasn't working out for me. Things are either they're flying or they're dying. And then in the running part, man, they're either running or recovering. <gasps> but it's the walking, man, that gets us distracted. And so here you go. Uh, Zeth, you're saying you're out of place, man. Right over here. All right, all right. And so, so in this, I want you to see how exciting this part of life was. What do you want me to do now, God? Take a step. What do you want me to do, God? Do it. <laughs> yeah, you guys remember The Sloss? What movie is that from, The Sloss? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What do you want me to do now, God? Do it. How many of y'all feel God moves at that speed sometimes? 
You want an answer. You need something. What do you want me to do, God? God? And God says, <laughs> you know? What do you want me to do now, God? And you're like, hmm, how many of you have been in that phase? What do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? And he hadn't said anything. This is the time we get distracted. This is the time we get discouraged. This is the time we get deceived and misled. And we just say, if God didn't tell you to do anything, what do you do? You do what you know to do. When you don't know what to do, do what you know to do. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Zane, come here, man. <laughs> He's distracted. So what do you want me to do now? God, do it. But guess what? Look what happens, all right? So watch this. It starts getting faster. What do you want me to do now? God, do it. What do you want me to do now? God, do it. What do, what do, what do, what do you want me to do now, God, do it? All right, so you see, man, that's what it's about. And I hope that this has left such a childish impression in your mind you will never forget. How many of you will never forget one of these guys flying? Okay, I hope it is just burned in your brain and you will never forget this again. Thank you guys very much. But I love you guys. You're not in love with Jesus. Us. <coughs> I'm telling you, I've seen people fly. When people get saved, man, it's just like, woohoo! I'm saved, yeah! And they're going, and they're, they're learning the word. They're applying it, man. And then all of a sudden, I see them running, and they're, they've gotten involved in so many ministries, so many different things. And they're, they're, it's a whole new life serving the Lord, and now they're starting to get kind of burned out. Um, I've seen people get burned out there, or I've seen people just running. And then all of a sudden, before they get burned out, God slows them down. Because again, God knows when to rest you and he knows when to test you. He's done it with, e with Israel and Egypt. He's done it all through Israel's life. He's done it in ours. And so the hardest phase of life, I am going to tell you as a believer, is the walking. How many of y'all say, I have been bored while I've been walking with the Lord? I'm raising my hand. Yeah. But it's in that walking. He's resting us. He's teaching us. He's preparing us for what has to go on next. And besides, you could not handle running for the rest of your life 24-7. You can't handle flying because a lot of it, he's just rebuilding you in that walking phase. And today, we're going to look at a man of faith named Enoch who walked for 300 years. <laughs> dude, you think you walked a long time. This dude walked in a wicked world with God for 300 years. And it was simply nothing more than, what do you want me to do now, God? And he waited on to tell him and said, do it. What do you want me to do now, God? And he was so waiting on God to tell him what to do. As soon as God said to do it, he's like, yes! You know, couldn't wait. All right, what do you want me to do now, God? Oh, yeah, now, boom, yeah. He just couldn't wait to find out what God wanted him to do next. And he walked with God, which is a hard place to live. So check this out, if you would. And uh, Okay, uh, what I want you to do, uh, I titled this Stop Running and Start Walking. And it's not running where you wear yourself out. That's not what I'm talking about. Here's what, here's what I mean by running. It, what I mean by running is when you say, what do you want me to do now, God? And you do it. What do you want me to do? What I want to stop you from doing when you get bored with your Christian life is running away from what God has gotten you put in your life. Quit running away from the, the, the phase, the season that he's got you in. Stay in the season he's got you in. Quit running away from what God has custom designed your life and just start walking in it. Because it's only by, if you take each step that God wants you to uh, take, where are you going to end up? Josh, where are you going to end up? You take each step where God wants you to end up, where are you going to end up? 
where he wants you. It's when we start taking our own steps and in our own wisdom. We lean on our own understanding. We commit spiritual suicide. We got to take each step the way he wants us, when he wants us to do it. And, and not get bored, not get distracted, and not running off from him. And so walking with God pleases God. Roger, I know, dude, you're kind of like high strung, right? Is he high strung, Leslie? Is that a good way to put it? My picture is next to the deck in the dictionary where it says high strung. High strung, that's him, man. And, and Roger, he's like, he's like calling me. He's like, hey, dude, God, I'm telling you what to do yet today. You know, or, or hey, this is, you know, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? What do I do? Sometimes he just wants us to rest in him and just listen and take it in. And so, but you didn't get saved until you were what, 60, 67. 67. And so you don't have to make up all that lost time. I know you feel like you've wasted so much of your life and now you don't want to waste a moment. But some of the most precious times you can have in your life is sitting still, just listening to him, just listening to what he wants to tell you and what he wants to get through. So walking with God pleases God. What? You've tried, I know. We've got to give him a spiritual sedative, okay? Y'all pray for what that spiritual sedative might be, all right? So walking with God pleases God. God digs it when you walk with him. And that's his favorite thing for you to do with him, all right? And so we're going to be in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 5. Uh, two verses a day, and I do have a little teeny four-verse section out of, um, out of Genesis that, just to explain who Enoch is. But it says, by faith, okay? By faith, Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death and was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony. Read this with me, that he So what did he not do that pleased God? Let's go backwards in here because we have to go to Genesis to sort of find out. But look what this says. By faith, Enoch had faith. You know what faith is? What do you want me to do now, God, and do it? What do you want me to do now, God? Really? You want me to do that, God? Okay. What do you want me to do now, God? God, I don't think it's a good idea, but I'm going to do it anyways. God, what do you want me to do? God, what do you want me to do? God, what do you, oh, do that. Okay. Yeah. Faith is moving when God says to move. It's taking the step when God says take the step, not sooner, not later. Not saying, well, God's had me go in this direction, so now I'm just going to run and I'm going to fly in that direction. That's how we get in trouble. God may want us to get to that back wall. That may just be a momentum starter. And all of a sudden, he wants me to come over here and put Jeremy in a headlock. You know? A holy headlock, that is. But what I'm saying is you've got to take each step. Each step is important, especially with the enemy who's like a roaring lion looking to destroy you. Because if you take off running, man, there just might be a cliff on that other side. God's not going to take you off that cliff. By faith... That's walking. What do you want me to do now? And doing it. And again, just like our paddling illustration last week, if I'm using my steps and I'm always saying, what do you want me to do now, God? What do you want me to do now, God? What do you want me to do now, God? And if that's all I'm doing, what am I doing? I'm not only going in circles, but I'm digging myself in a hole. <laughs> if that's all you're doing. But same token, I'm doing this for you. I'm doing this for you. I'm doing this for you. But God never said to do it. What am I doing? I'm going in circles the other way. And I'm digging myself in a what? In a hole. But if I say, what do you want me to do now? And I do it as I walk with him. Man, I'm not digging myself in a hole. And I am going to end. Where am I going to end up, Josh? Where he wants me. Do I have to know where that is? Do I have to have the treasure map? Uh, do I have to know all the instructions all along the way from start to finish? Now, how many of y'all do that like with your uh, GPS on your phone? 
You, you put it in, and then you go and you look at the track. You, you, how many of y'all are those people, or how many of y'all are those people that just, how many of y'all are those that just trust it and say, I'm going for it? That, that, that's what I do. I've ended up in lakes. No, I'm just joking. But, but yeah, we don't have to know. All we got to know, Josh, is what? The next what? The next step. That's all we got to know. What's the next step that you want me to go in? And so by faith, that's what faith is. It's nothing more, nothing less. It's nothing hokey pokey. It's no magic potion, no magic words. It's a relationship, a thriving, living relationship with a living God. And you're in intimate fellowship with him, wanting to please him. He says, by faith, Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death. So here's what happened. Enoch walked for a period of time with God. And God said, you know what? I am pleased by your walk. And he just snatched him away. He just snatched them away. What a beautiful picture of the church, whether that's what this actually represents or not. It's a beautiful picture of what's going to happen to the church. The church, if you are called, that's what ecclesia means. You know, it wasn't until later that somebody started calling the church the church. Do you know that for a long, long period of time that the church was just called the gathering? (laughs) That's what ecclesia means, the called out. We were just called out. It wasn't until some German dude came up with this word, I can't say it. It's C-H-C-H, something like that. And it just means that's when they, they, they localize it to a building. Prior to that, the church, when you read the word church in the book of Acts, you read the word church in the New Testament. It's not talking about a building, a location, a, 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 a one congregation. It's talking about those who are called out, that are gathered together by the Holy Spirit of God. Man, it just... It, and, and so... So what happened is if you're called out by the Holy Spirit of God and you are following him, if you're called by him and you're walking with him one day, what he's going to do. What's the next great event on the spiritual calendar? I believe it's the rapture. Now, there's some guys thinking we're going to go through a little bit more and some guys. I don't know anybody who's who's, who's anti-rapture. Everybody's got everybody's something rapture when it's going to happen. And and whenever it happens, it's going to be the perfect timing. But the next great event. It's Gary, we're just going to be walking, dude. We're going to be up at Maryland Fried Chicken in Vero Beach eating gizzards, and boom, we're snatched away, man. Snatched away. Man, isn't that going to be awesome? I hope I don't die before that happens. I really, how many of y'all would love to be a part of that? You get to heaven and say, yeah, dude, I was flying, man, and there was granny busting out of the grave right there next to me. I mean, literally, the dead in Christ are going to rise first. That's how you know it hasn't happened yet. Because you ain't seen that, have you? Man, and to be called up, to be, to be brought up. That's what happened to Enoch. He was walking with God, walking with God. What do you want me to do now, God? Do it. For 300 years. You can't handle 300 hours. Neither can I. I can't handle 300 minutes. And what do you want me to do now, God? What do you want me to do now? And all of a sudden, whoosh, she's gone. <laughs> That's what it means. He was taken away. We don't know the details. And if we get to be around for the rapture, which I hope we are, man, dude, we'll get to experience something like that. Otherwise, we'll have to check it out on Godflix when we get there, all right? And so, by faith, Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death. He didn't die. He was snatched up. For before he was taken, it says he had a testimony that pleased God. And, that, and we're going to look in Genesis to see what it was that pleased God so much. I'm going to tell you ahead of time, it was him walking. Oh. Hang on, where we go? Genesis 5, 21 through 24. You can turn your Bibles or you can kind of pay attention right here if you want. Look at the verse first here. This for you, Roger. Enoch lived how many years? 65. 
dude, so you were a little behind, Enoch. You waited till you were 67. But he was 65 years, and he begot Methuselah. Okay? Anybody heard the word Methuselah? Dude, she's as old as Methuselah. <laughs> you know? How old was Methuselah? Anybody know? 969 years old, okay? Now, here's the cool thing about Methuselah. Okay, so it almost seems as we read this story, and then we also read in Jude about, and what we read in Jude about Enoch is that Enoch was a prophet and a preacher, that at some point in his life, and most people believe it was at year 65, that he got serious about walking with the Lord. And, and, and that was because God gave him Methuselah, and I think God gave him a word when he gave him Methuselah. Because what he were told in the book of Jude is that he was now telling people that if you don't straighten up, there's going to be a wrath to come. And God uses him actually to predict the wrath of Jesus' second coming. But in his own context, he's predicting there's a wrath to come. And so Methuselah is born at year 65 and Enoch gets serious about the Lord. So you're not, you're not alone, bro. He gets serious about the Lord, and so he, what do you want me to do? Preach about me. What do you want me to do? Preach about me. Repent and come to me and everything. You know what? That's what he was doing. He was preaching. And Methuselah now, check this out. What happened the year Methuselah was how old again? 969 years. Everybody say 969. Aren't you grateful we don't live that long? Can you imagine what your body would look like in that many years? <laughs> Seriously, I mean, our ozone's gone. That's what's messing me up. It's the ozone, all right? But, no, not really. It's just age, abuse. But Methuselah, 969 years after he was born, guess what happened the year he died? Anybody know? What catastrophic event, what catastrophic event happened? Help me out again. The flood. The flood, so it was as if God told Enoch, hey, dude, I'm going to give you this kid, Methuselah. He's going to be the oldest man to ever live in, the, live in the Bible. He is, by the way, the oldest guy. So if you're ever in trivial pursuit and you need that answer, it's Methuselah. All right, but you know what? I'm going to give people a long period of time through Methuselah's life to repent, to come back to me. And again, you know, if this is God... And this is not God. There's God. If we're walking away from God, what is God doing? He's calling us back to him, isn't he? Anybody walk away and have him call you back? And then sometimes we start running, la, 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 because you want to do what you want to do at the end. And then you go hang out in a little cul-de-sac and you're doing it. And you hear God's voice again. And you've got a choice. You've always got a choice when he calls you back. He's always calling you back to, your, to him. He's never calling you back to anything but him. And so repent means to turn and answer that call and come back. And the world that God had created was running from him. They were going in the opposite direction, and he's lovingly calling, saying, please come. And he said, there's going to be destruction at the end. This is my business. And if you mess up my business, what happens if you mess up at work? Punishment. Uh, what's that? There's punishment. Okay, there, there's a consequence. All right, yeah, what happens if, you know, what happens if you just mess up every day? I mean, the guy comes to you, the boss says, hey, dude, you got to fix this, you got to fix this. And what if, what if now you go away and you're like, oh, yeah, the boss says I got to fix this. I'm still doing it my way. Oh. And, and what's eventually going to happen? You're going to get fired. Yes, you're going to get fired. And this is God's business, this world. And when he fires you, he takes you out. You don't go get another job. You're gone. And that's why this loving, merciful God, how long did he have, how long did he give these people time to repent before the flood? How many years? 
969 years. Do you think that's merciful? Yeah. I mean, if Fernanda gave you 969 years to, to, to straighten out an aspect of your life, do you think that's merciful? Yeah. Absolutely. And at my rate, it might take that. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's eternal. That's why we have eternal life, all right? But the minute we die, we're perfect, all right? So that's good news. It won't take that long. So, man, check this out. Enoch. It was like at 65 years old, God said, dude, I'm fixing to do something. I'm tired of the way man's going. Man is totally going on their own track, on their own way. They've ignored me. They've let, let go of me. And it wasn't until Adam and Eve's son, Seth, that they even started following the Lord. But they also were following themselves and following whatever else that they had to follow. But here God says, man, you know what? I'm going to give you this son, and I want you the rest of your life to preach the gospel that gospel, that I am going to send a redeemer. <laughs> you just do things, you believe, you show me you believe that by doing what I tell you to do. That's how people got saved in the Old Testament, right? right. They got saved in the Old Testament by, by believing that, that God would send a Messiah. We get saved by believing that he did send the Messiah. So Enoch, man, he preached. And he preached, he predicted Christ. Go read what it says in Jude. Go read that little book of Jude. And all those that think God is all love and not wrath, go read the book of Jude. Tell me what you think. And again, it's both sides. If I love, if I love righteousness, I have to hate what? Sin. Yeah, unrighteousness. You can't love sin and love righteousness at the same time. It's one or the other. They're direct opposites of each other. You're either following God at one point in your life. At any moment, you're either following him or you're, or you're not. This is following God. You're either following him or you're not. And so Enoch lived 65 years and he begot Methuselah. And the, the man who would be the longest one to ever live. After he begot Methuselah, Enoch walked. What did he do? Enoch what? With who? Walked with God. Look at this. And how long did he do it for? Whoo, man. How many of y'all feel old? <laughs> y'all feel old, man? And, and you ain't even close to 300 years. Now, granted, again, man, we'll figure out. I think the ozone wasn't as bad for him and all this other. I mean, you know, I don't know what it was. But they had, to, they had to be fruitful and they had to multiply. It was really, so God had them living longer and all this. There's a lot of discussion on how, why, what. But bottom line is, this dude walked with God for 300 years. Out of flying, running, and walking, what's the hardest stage? Walking. Does anybody here agree with that, that walking is hard? Man, Christine, I remember you used to sit over there when you didn't have your husband. I'm so glad your husband's here with you, man. And you can move her anywhere you want. You'll see him staying right in there. But, but I can remember you. Man, you walked. I, maybe three years ago. Man, I know God's bringing us here. And, and it's just a matter of time. Next time I would see her, because she was a snowflake, she'd fall on us and dissipate, fall on us and dissipate. And then next time I'd be like, oh, I think I got a job. I think God's bringing us here. And guess what? No, nope, not this time. And just like Zane waiting a year, you were faithful waiting, I think, three years, if not mistaken. Well, man, I think this is, I think my kids need, you know, oh, no, my kids don't need me. You know, it's like, oh, no, I got this shot. Nope, this ain't the right job. And, and, and then one day she came and said, we're moving. We're going to be here. You know, but I, that's what I'm talking about, walking with God. When things are, anybody can fly when things are good. And anybody can run. As long as you got the endurance, well, you're just busy, busy, busy. But walking is where it's a conscious effort, where the devil's trying to, did God really say? 
<laughs> Does God really, you know, is that real? And you start doubting yourself and you get discouraged and you walking's hard. But look what he did. It says Enoch, what? With God. That's crucial who you walk with. Show me your friends, I'll show you your future. You lay down with dogs, you get up with fleas. Man, it's important who you walk with. That's why we have to be a family. That's why we come together in small group and worship together to help each other see life from God's perspective. It's easy to go see life from another perspective. Seth, how far you got to go to see life from another perspective? <laughs> yeah, that, that's that perspective. What about the earthly perspective? The one that doesn't work. Dude, you can just go right over here to Cumberland Farms. I'll guarantee you'll see it there. You know? So, man, Enoch walked with God for 300 years and had sons and daughters. He had other ones after Methuselah. Okay? So all the days of Enoch were 365 years. Okay? So God had him alive another 300 years. 365 years. Enoch, what does he say again? With God. And, 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 and that's what pleased God. Man, it takes faith to walk with God. Man, Enoch walked with God and it pleased God. And he was not. All right, so he walked with God and he was not. What does that mean? And Tom was sitting there and now he was not. <laughs> Where'd he go? Check the bathroom. Check downstairs. Is his car still here? It's all still here. Where'd he go? And that's what he's talking about. Enoch was walking and boom, he's gone. Do you know that's what's going to happen to us, man? Oh, I so hope we're. How many of y'all hope we're alive for the rapture? How many of y'all want to fly like me? Dude, is that not going to be cool? <laughs> You really believe that's going to happen? I do. He walked with God and he was not. Why? Because God took him. Ain't nobody better to take you than God. <laughs> that's, I don't want to go if it ain't God taking me. But, man, that's, that's the only one who's going to. So, man, God is pleased when we walk with him. That's what made Enoch so special. That's what pleased God is that he walked. And, again, he didn't have a gravy job. He was preaching to people who are living for themselves. Does that sound like anybody's job here? Oh, yeah, you, pastor. No, you people. What are we supposed to do? He said, as you go out into the world, make what? Disciples. disciples baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And in case you forgot what disciple making is, it's teaching them to observe what I've taught you. So every day as we walk with God, we are learning from God. How many of y'all are learning every day from God? Again, don't put your hand up. But how many of y'all are stoked about learning from God every day? Yeah. And, and when you learn from God every day, man, it's not. How many of y'all have learned something from God and you have had a hard time keeping your mouth shut when you go out and walk? Dude, you can't not tell somebody. But it's. But it's when you're in that little dry spell or when you're, you're not really walking with him. You ain't got really a lot to say, do you? But when you are walking with him, man, I used to tell teenagers when I was a youth pastor, I said, if you're bored, follow the Lord. <laughs> follow the Lord, dude. You follow him. Life gets exciting, doesn't it? He put you in situations that are so supernatural only he can get blamed. He puts you in situations where it takes faith to get through, which brings us to our next point. But God, so the next point is that God gives us opportunities to please him. He gives us opportunities to please him all day long. And I want you to be able to recognize these opportunities. So check this out. And this is a really cool verse right here. And that's why we're taking it in context in the life of Enoch so we can put it in the context of our life. And again, what I don't want you to forget about it is God is constantly giving you opportunities to please him. Look at this. But without what? Amen. It is possible. To what? 
Okay, so is there any other way to please him except through faith? No. You understand that? But I did this, but I did this. But if you did it without faith, you didn't please him. It takes faith to please him. What are situations that take faith? Situations that you have no control of. How many of you are control freaks like me a little bit? You got, yeah. And how many of y'all, yeah, you just love, God, put something in my life today I have no control over. Is that what you pray for, Roger? Yeah, buddy. Oh, God, man, just take my life and put the puree button on right there. You know? But look what it says. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. So to please God, we have to have what? What's the F word? Faith. All right? But we not only have to have faith, but look what else we have to have. We have to have a situation that requires faith. Do you get that? In order to please God, it takes faith. We got to get faith. Where do we get faith from? We get faith from God. You can't muster faith up because it's faith in God. But in order to have that faith, you have to have a situation that requires faith. What's a situation that requires faith? On an everyday basis. <laughs> it's one you have no control over. It's one that, God, if you don't have this, I'm going down. God, if you, don't, if, you, if you don't tell me what to do, I don't know what to do. God, if you don't come through, this isn't going to work out. God, how many of y'all have those situations in life? Ever? <laughs> yeah. And chances are, in the past, in those situations, we've run. And trying to figure out, maybe we wait on God for a little bit. What do you want me to do now, God? And God hasn't said anything, so what do we do? Well, he hadn't told me, so here I go. I'm going to go solve it myself. Have you ever done that? You just missed an opportunity to please God because you wouldn't wait on the faith that he's given you. First thing we've got to do, I think, is view every situation that's out of our control as an opportunity to please him. When God puts something in our life that's beyond us, man, right off the bat, we need to view it differently and say, all right, right on. What does James say? He said, count it all when you come in these different temptations or tests in your life. Count it all joy when these situations come in your life. They're all saying the same thing. We can preach through the whole Bible, and you're going to hear these similar things again and again and again. And here, the writer of Hebrews is saying, man, when you encounter a situation that requires faith, count it all what? Joy. Because if you could handle it, you wouldn't need who? And it wouldn't require what? Yeah. And you wouldn't please God. Is this making any sense? Is this the way we view things? It wasn't until I started looking at this scripture and looking at it this way that now I see things in my life that are, man, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know how it's going to, what is God going to do with JJ, Seth, and Zane and me? What's he going to do with Driftwood? I mean, we're going to be here. But man, we, Zane's up in Lakewood Park. JJ's at North Beach. Seth is here. I'm in Fort Pierce. What does he want? What's that going to look like? What's he want to do? I don't know, but I can't wait to see what he's going to do because it's for his kingdom. It's going to be awesome, whatever it is. What he's going to do right now is he's just going to let you guys hear a bunch of different preaching. <laughs> and your lives are going to be rocked by it. But I can't wait to see what he's going to do through all of this. What's he going to do with Emily in Cuba this week? Man, I was joking about the plane, man. But the first thing I thought about was like, dang, that could have been Emily. And if it is, I'll see it happen, right? And you're good with that. Right? I am. Your mom's not, but I am. Because <laughs> it ain't long. I'm almost there. No. But look at this. Without faith, 
It's impossible to please God. And for me, honestly, when I'm flying, I'm just flying in faith. When I'm running, I'm too busy to think about faith. I know what my next move is. It's when I'm walking. What do you want me to do, God? <laughs> okay, I'm doing it. Is that how you feel right now with the doctor, with your husband and the headaches? What, what, what do you want us to do? And he's tanking. Dude, he could have told you in an instant, but he's at least stretched us out a month or two, right? You know why God stretches the things out? To build our faith. And you know why he gives us faith? So that we can please him. So the situation you have in your life right now that's causing you maybe to have anxiety is not there to have anxiety with. It's, it's there by God's design so that he can give you faith. You can respond in faith and then you can please him. So that hard situation he's put in your life to please him. Have you ever looked at it that way? I hope you have, and I hope you do from now on. Because again, read this first part again with me, guys. But all of you, come on, man, one more time. One, two, three. But do you got that, man? So how many of you would be awesome and say, "Dude, I got something I have no clue about right now." <laughs> Anybody? Okay, cool, good. It's going to require faith. But look at it this way. Whatever your situation is, it's an opportunity for you to please God by receiving the faith he's giving you and not moving till he says to move, not stepping till he says to step and going in the direction he wants you to go. Without faith, it is impossible. He doesn't say it's real hard. It's impossible. You can't. There's no other way to please God except through faith. So he's got to give us situations that require faith. And we hate those situations. But today I want you to start loving them. Because it's our way to show God we love him. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Look at this. For he who comes to God. So here it is. I, 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 I might not even be walking away from God. I might be in a spiritual cul-de-sac. I haven't gotten closer to God in a while. You know, here's God over here, okay? And, and, and I'm not that far. I'm hearing from him, right? And, and, and I just take a break over in the cul-de-sac. In the cul-de-sac, am I getting farther away or closer to him? Neither. I'm just right there, okay? I'm just right there. How many of y'all would say you've ever been in a spiritual cul-de-sac? Where you're neither getting closer or farther, you're just there. And the cul-de-sac is cool at the beginning. You can get the other neighbors and play kickball. That's what we used to do in ours. You, 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 can, you can play tag. You can, you know, you can like hang out with people. But after a while, dude, it gets boring in a cul-de-sac, doesn't it? And now you got a choice. You come out of the cul-de-sac and you got a choice of which way to go. But it says, for he who what? Comes to God. So when you come out of that cul-de-sac, when he's calling you out of that cul-de-sac, he's calling you to him. And hopefully you take that step. And he who comes to God... Look what happens. You have to believe that he is. <laughs> Boy, Seth could preach a whole message on that, on who he is, who God is. You know that word is? What did he tell when Moses was saying, well, who in the world do I tell Pharaoh that is telling me all these things? And God said, tell him that I, what? I am. That's the complete form of the verb to be. It means I always have been, always been all of that. I, all, I am fully that right now, and I always will be that. In other words, I'm eternally all that there is to be. And so you got to believe that with God. When you come out of that cul-de-sac, or if you are walking down the wrong road, and he says, repent, it's because he loves you. He wants you to turn. And in order for you to turn and come back to him or come out of the cul-de-sac and hang a left and go that way, 
You got to believe that he is. Everything he says he is. Everything the word of God tells you he is. Because that's where our truth is. So you got to get in the word of God to find out who he is and what he's about. Faith comes by what? Hearing, hearing and hearing comes by the... So if you're not in the word of God, man, you're not, no, you're malnourished. You don't know who he is. Man, I dig in the word every day so I can know who he is, so my faith can be full. And so when he says, come, I can come, and I can't wait to see what he's going to do because I sure can't figure it out. For he who comes to God must believe that he is. So if you're going to come to him, you need to make a concerted effort to get back into his word. You need to get into praying with him because, man, you can't read the word without praying. You've got to be praying as you're reading the word. And then he speaks to you and then you talk to him again and say, God, what's going on? Man, God, what's happening here? And you have this communication with each other. And you may be sitting here saying today, I've never had that. You can. You've got to want it. You've got to come to him to have that. And the longer you do it, the more time you spend doing that, the more effort you put into it, the more you will have that relationship with him. Man, I, I told one of our small groups uh, at one of the big churches I was at back in the day, I used to like finish the 8 o'clock services invitation and, uh, and then I'd follow the next pastor to the 9.30 and do that invitation. And we would follow each other around. But at 8.30, one of my buddies from Puerto Rico, his name was Edwin Torres, later had a ministry called Insus Pasos. I think I said that right. It means... Uh, in his steps, and uh, Edwin Torres would finish, start the invitation, and he would say, and everyone, whoever wants to come to Kevin, you know, who wants to go to Kevin, come up forward, and they would come and meet me, and the number one question I had when people, because the Holy Spirit was drawing them up to the altar at the end of the message, and they would say, I, I don't know, who's Kevin? <laughs> They're like, who's Kevin? And I'm like, it's heaven. They're, yeah, that's what I want to know, and then we would share the gospel with them. And, and Edwin Torres, man, he, he had a thick Puerto Rican accent. And most people, whenever he spoke, they'd be like, oh, yeah, yeah, okay, oh, yeah, okay. Except me. I drive my family crazy, and I might drive you crazy with this, but I want to hear what you got to say, even if you have to repeat it 8,000 times, right, honey? <laughs> and I am listening. I just ain't the sharpest marble in the box. Now, I'm speaking on behalf of all of us men, but <laughs> do any of you men ever have to get your wife to repeat it? And it's not we didn't hear the words. We just can't process what they actually really mean because they usually don't mean what they do and if you looked them up in a dictionary. All right, but we're not going there today. But he would come in and he, him and I would talk and I'd say, what, what did you say, Edwin? Edwin, what's going on? And Edwin would be, I said, Edwin, you're not getting mad at me by, telling, you know, by me asking you again what you're saying. He's like, no, that's why I love you. And I was like, what? He said, that's why I love you. He said, most Americans... They just go, yeah, whatever. He said, watch this. And he called one guy in the staff and he said something. And the guy's like, oh, yeah. And he said, yeah, he wants me to kick him in the rear end. I was like, yeah. It was like, and he's like, he's like, you ask. You want to hear. And when I first started this relationship with Edwin, I'd have to ask him ten times. Later on, I'd have to ask him five. Later on, I'd only have to ask him to repeat it once or twice. And after about five, six years of our relationship, man, I'd have to ask him to repeat a thing. I understood him as perfectly as he understood me, man. And it was because as I got used to listening and asking questions, he wanted to communicate with me and I wanted to communicate with him. And our communication became very clear. And he told me, oh, he said, Eddie, this is like, this is a, a Puerto Rican proverb. He said, we are like two wings of the same bird, brother. And I just never forget this, that we were two wings of the same bird. 
because we wanted to know what each other had to say and communicate and love each other that way. You might not hear God as clear today as you can years from now. But if you start wanting nothing more than to hear from him, he will speak. He speaks through his word and the Holy Spirit that lives inside of you as a believer. And if you don't have the Holy Spirit living inside of you, but you want him, you have the desire God's given you, surrender yourself to him. But you got to want to hear from him. It says he who comes to God must believe that he is. Do you believe God can speak to you? Absolutely. Do you believe he can he can speak to you softly like he did to Elijah? Does he always have to break out the two by four, Zane? <laughs> you know, Billy's always had to break out the two by four. He only your mom only breaks out the two by four when you didn't listen to the twig. <laughs> and we only breaks out a twig when you didn't listen to the whisper. You know, God wants to communicate to you so bad. He wants a relationship with you. That was the beautiful thing about what Enoch did. Enoch fulfilled his purpose in having a relationship with God. That's why God created you, to have that relationship with him. So he said, man, for he who comes to God must believe. That doesn't mean believe here. You believe by your actions that he is all he says he is. And look at this, that he is a rewarder. Everybody say rewarder. rewarder. Dude, what does rewarder mean? Christine, what does rewarder mean? What does it mean? You know, Garrett, uh, you, Mike does something good and you give him a reward. No, I'm just <laughs> <laughs> yeah. A reward is, is yeah, what, tell me that. Penny, what's reward mean? A gift. A gift. Yeah. It's like, it's, it's a sign of approval. It's like, I, I want you to keep doing this because I approve of this. I want, you know, not that we're dogs. I can reward my dogs with treats and everything. That, that's not, uh, hopefully we've got a different relationship with God. But what God does is he lets us know when what we're doing is right. So that we'll do it again. Now, we don't do it for the reward. We do it because we love him. And he rewards us because he what? He loves us. But it's one way that he can tell us, yes, you're going in the right direction. Yes, this is the right way. Yes, this is awesome. And you've got to believe that he is a rewarder of those who what? What's that next word? Diligent. Yeah, what is it? how would you describe diligent? Terry, how would you describe diligent? Hard worker. Okay, Chris, how would you describe it? I agree with that. That's good. How else? Focused, man. Focused and hardworking. How, who else did I care? Uh, hey, bro. Bob's Bob's nephew. Are you Bob's son? Okay. Okay, focused, man. Diligent. Yeah. Not, uh, all right, you guys are diligent on your diet, right? Sarah and, uh, Su and uh, Susan, right? What's that? Consistent. Yeah. You're consistent. Not easily swayed. In fact, what might have swayed you at the beginning of, of, of not eating uh, or eating when you were eating healthy now just repulses you, actually. Okay? Yeah, like, like, dude, there was a time probably where you would have dug a you know, candy bar or something or something. But now it's like, oh, I don't want any, any of that. So look what he says. He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Diligent. They want nothing. They're focused. They want nothing else. It's a one-track mind. It's, you can't stop somebody who's diligent, right? It's unstoppable. So, man, he rewards that. If you just walk with him and you are diligently walking with him, he's a rewarder of that. And while you're walking with him, you are, you're diligently seeking him. 
Hey, Seth, you wrote me something back. I, uh, what, what, what's the greatest reward that he can offer us? Himself. Himself. The fellowship with him. Will you experience him in a way like you've never experienced him before? So you believe, God, what Pastor Eddie says, you are all of that. And I'm not, I don't have all of that, but I want all of that. And I got all these excuses and stumbling blocks and things and reasons I can come up with why I can't have all of that. But this says that, man, if I just believe you are who he says you are, who your word says you are, that you will reward me as I diligently seek you. You reward me with your presence. Is there anything greater than the presence of God? No. In fact, that's what heaven's going to be. That's what heaven is. And that giant, magnificent, almighty God that created everything, where does he live? Where does he live? Yeah. How about, help me out. Where is he living right now? If you're a believer. Yeah. If you're a believer, he's living in you. But guess what gets in the way? Our flesh and sin. It's a block, a, a block between us and him. So the more we get out of the way, the more we diligently seek him instead of ourselves, the more we're rewarded with his presence. Man, some little girl said once, Jared, little girl said, well, if God's so big and he lives inside me, shouldn't he stick out? <laughs> yeah. I think he's sticking out right here in my latter days. He used to not stick out so much there, but that's where he's sticking out now. And I don't know where he's sticking out of you, but <laughs> look at that, man. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So here's what I'm saying to you guys when you're especially in that walking mode. What do you want me to do now, God? You don't know what your next move is. Man, he hadn't told you yet. You're unsure. He doesn't seem to be speaking. Or maybe he is, and, and, and you're not liking what he's saying next. Man, stick with it. Diligently seek him. He will make it all worthwhile. And he's given you this situation. He's given it to you to please him. And he's gonna, not only gave you the situation, but he's giving you the faith to make it through the situation. So don't run the other way. It's when we're stuck right here that we run the other way and we try to make something happen. I, want, I, got, I got some news for us sensational Christians. And the more we get closer to the time that Jesus is coming back, the more sensationalism believers are looking for. Nothing breaks my heart more than to watch somebody brand new give their life to Christ. They start walking with him. They're full of the spirit. They're walking. And then somebody introduces them some sensational thing. And they go off running because they're convinced that walking is not a part of your Christian life. That is straight from the pit of hell. There are going to be times when you fly. There are going to be times when you're running. But I'm going to tell you, there's a lot of time where you're doing nothing but you're walking. And that's what God honors because it's the hardest part. Enoch walked 300 years. And God just said, man, well done, good and faithful servant. Snatched him out. You know, I've seen so many flashes in a pan in my 20-something years of ministry. People that are flying and then crashing. People that are running and then resting. And you know what? As impressive as it is when they're flying and when they're running, you know what impresses me? is what impresses God, is that person that you've been able to watch for a long time just simply walk. Yes, they got times when they're flying. They got times they're running. 
But how many of you know a man or a woman of God that's just been a solid, consistent person walking with God? You know somebody like that? Man, I hope you do. Find people like that because you're going to need to look to them for that encouragement. Walking with God that pleases him. Stop running from the opportunities he's giving you to please him and just simply walk with him. Because guess what happens, man? You start walking, all of a sudden maybe you start running. And then you start running and all of a sudden you start flying. And there we are again. And all of a sudden then we, we land and we have to run. And then all of a sudden God says, walk. If we're going to trust them with everything else, let them, let's trust them with that schedule in our lives. Let's trust them with those three phases. And if it's time to walk, man, trust them with walking. Because that's what Enoch did. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for loving us. Um, thank you for giving us a story. Thank you for showing us that it's okay to not have just extravagant, supernatural, blow-us-away things happening in our relationship with you all the time, but that you simply honor us walking with you, knowing that you are blown away by that obedience, knowing that that testimony that we create as we continually, consistently, and faithfully walk with you is something that uh, will encourage others. Father, um, I pray that if there's somebody here that has never given their life to Christ and they've never started this walk and they don't know they're going to heaven or Kevin <laughs> when they die, Father, I pray that today you give them the desire and ability to surrender themselves to you in faith and believe that you are who you say you are and that you are a rewarder and you will give them eternal, let them be in your presence eternally if they just simply believe what Christ did on the cross is enough and surrender themselves to you. But Father, give those folks a desire they can't refuse, someone who needs to just surrender everything to you. Let them do that today so that you're living inside them. Father, I pray for those who are flying that they don't get cocky and somehow attribute it to anything that they have to offer but they just enjoy the time that you're giving them to fly right now and that know that that's their season. And Father, I pray they would use it for your glory and their good. And for those, Father, who are running and just can't seem to catch a break, um, but they're running for you. Father, I, I pray that you would refresh them, give them fresh oil. Father, you would, um, you would just quench their thirst with you. You'd feed them manna. <laughs> You'd replenish them so they can keep running for as long as they're supposed to be running in this season. And Father, for those who are in the season of walking, I pray, Father, that they would see that that season pleases you as long as they're taking the steps you want them to take. And Father, that they would get what they're supposed to get out of this season of walking. For those that are sitting in a cul-de-sac, Father, I pray that you would motivate them to make their way back out to the road and then give them the desire and ability to turn the right way towards you. And if there's anyone heading the wrong way, Father, I pray that you give them what they need to turn back your way. So, Father, uh, your word is alive. It's relevant, and um, you can make it relevant to each of our lives and where we're at. And I pray that your Holy Spirit would do that today. Thank you for giving me the honor of sharing it with this group. 
as it's been shared to me first. And I pray we do what we're supposed to do with it. And I pray for these things in Jesus' name.